Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. We are. We are. We are Cultivate. 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 We are Cultivate. Pineapple Pizza Podcast discusses the histories, cultures, and beliefs of regions around the world. These stories often contain mature and sometimes disturbing content that may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. All right, welcome back to Pineapple Pizza Podcast, where we serve up slices of mythology, cryptozoology, and urban legends. Y'all know what we do here by now, hopefully, but, uh, you know, it's an interesting combination of flavors. A bit weird, but it works, just like us. We're all a little weird, but it works. What? <laughs> I am limited edition, thank you. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Today, we are serving up a very uh, controversial slice of South African cryptozoology. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yep. I'm your hostess, Emily, and with me are the jocular and I couldn't find a better other J word, Juicy, Lindsay and <laughs> Ashley. <laughs> I think Juicy's fair. That's ironic. That's what's literally printed on my pants, the butt of my pants. <laughs> hey, <laughs> Just kidding. So I think uh, I'm going to do just a little bit of housekeeping before we get into the story today. So first, I want to say thank you to our wonderful patrons that are supporting us, Alex, Nix, and Joel. Can't forget the guy that I actually live with who's supporting us. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you, everybody. Uh, you know, if you want to enjoy more content, head on over to our Patreon. We did reduce the prices of our tiers, so they're a little more affordable, but you get awesome bonus content when I have the time to put it up. But we get a, we have a lot of stuff out there. We have several extra stories. We have video content. You have um, outtakes, and you get all the the notes and stuff. So it's a lot of fun. Uh, I also apologize if you happen to hear my little demons in the background. Everybody is home, and they are loud today. So <laughs> we'll see how this goes. It's gonna go awesome. There is a dog sniffing my leg right now because <laughs> I was eating chocolate and she knows. <laughs> so speaking of background noise, you may have also noticed that we are not putting any background music in right now. We're, we're trying something out. So let us know what you think, patrons, if you're really enjoying it without the music or if you really miss the music, just let us know. You can send us an email at pineapppizzapod at gmail.com or head over to social media. And, you know, maybe while you're there, go and follow us. Just a little, you know, plug. Do it. 
what she said. So that's the housekeeping out of the way. I had a little thing that I wanted to do. Give it a try. See what you guys think. I want to know, would you rather go toe-to-toe with a Draga or a Yarmayahu? Oh, God. So, just to refresh everybody's menu. (laughs) Memory. (laughs) Menu? It's a pizza place. The Draga is the one that you... It likes to go riding on houses. It breaks people, every bone in a person's body. You have to cut off its head and then like somersault backwards between the head and the body if you want to kill it. Right? That's the Draga. The Yaramaya, who is the little red guy that lives in the tree, that'll drop down on top of you and then he'll eat you and puke you back up and then eat you and puke you back up until you shrink and become a Yaramaya who. So who would you rather go toe-to-toe with? I'm going to pick the Draga, like, hands down. I already have a sword, so come at me. I can't guarantee that I'll be able to somersault, but I don't care. (laughs) I'm not getting puked up. That's really (laughs) the end game. I'm not getting puked up a bunch of times. See, I would do the Yaramayahu because I'd be an asshole and I would, like, fart in its mouth. Or I would, like, (laughs) try to pee or poop or something while he's eating me. Because then he'd probably be like, this tastes nasty. And then he'd only throw me up once. And then I could run away. <laughs> <laughs> Was it, wasn't the Yarmayahu the one that you can like zigzag and get away? Yeah. And it can't chase you. Yep. I'll just be like, serpentine, serpentine. Because <laughs> they're really away. clumsy on land. <laughs> and it'll be like, ah, oh, she farted in my mouth. I don't want her anyway. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> I feel like there's weird porn out there for that part of my mouth. <laughs> yeah, there probably is. Nasty. <laughs> I'd have to second. I think I'd go with the Yaramaya, who I just feel like it would be a little bit easier to get away from. Like if it falls on top of, well, I don't know. I'm small. It's probably about the same size as me. So that could be a little harder for me to, I was about to say beat off, but beat back don't yeah don't say that <laughs> don't 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 try to beat it off no that well i can't probably happen. it's asexual it doesn't have any reproductive parts so yeah it'd be in, totally ineffectual yep <laughs> it'd be like what are you doing as it eats you <laughs> <laughs> so okay we also want to hear from our patrons tweet us your answers who would you ha- rather have a run-in with do you want to go against the draga do you want to have to battle it out with a big old sword i almost said knife or do you want to go against this little angry red guy that likes to puke you up let us know we're very curious to hear about <laughs> who you'd rather go with and why and with that i think uh, unless we have anything else any other house cleaning things that's ready to get rolling on our story for today our meal i'm good I'm cool good. All right, before we get into this meal, I did want to give a big old content warning. Because why? Oh, big old. (laughs) (laughs) While it is very weird and unique, it it contains some really, really heavy content. Like, this was a hard one for me to research. I was telling Lindsay earlier that I'd heard of this creature on other podcasts and had always been kind of in a joking manner. It was this weird, funny little creature until I started digging into it and I realized this is not a joke. It's really dark. And I think more people need to know about the darker side of this thing. Mm-hmm. So I want to give a general content warning for discussion of sexual assault, rape, 
modern witch persecution and harm against children. So it's dark. And it's uh, discussed not just as part of the cryptid, but also in a broader social context. So we're still in South Africa for this meal. What? She going crazy over there? She got a piece of paper. I'll be right back. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) My dog is freakishly smart. If she gets anything she's not supposed to get, she immediately runs into the other room and jumps up on the bed and won't let me get near her unless I have a treat to trade her for the item that she took. Oh, my God. She's like, you know this game, Mom. (laughs) You must trade me. I demand my ransom. (laughs) She's like a bridge troll. (laughs) Yes, but cuter. Much cuter. <laughs> My God, that was horrifying. She had a whole piece of paper. <laughs> okay, so we're still in South Africa for this meal. So as usual, you get a little bit of history with your food. And uh, I know Ash, you didn't want to dig into kind of the more recent history, and that's that worked out well because I did. Awesome, because like that's really important, and there's so much there to talk about. Yeah. But then the more I looked at it, I was like, I can't leave all this in because it's gonna overwhelm the story part. Yeah. Of it. So I'm gonna apologize in advance because this is gonna be kind of like a quick and dirty history because the history of the region is really complicated. Once I was reading into it and I was watching videos and stuff, it's there's a lot that's going on in South Africa in terms of their history. Um, And it's a bit convoluted because there were different regions that came in and tried to settle the same area. So sometimes it was owned by the Dutch and sometimes it was Great Britain. And the Portuguese were in the mix too. So basically what I put in here are just kind of the big important key takeaways that really I thought played a role in this cryptid and how it's perceived. So this isn't like an overall history of South Africa, and I apologize if anybody feels like I'm leaving out something important. I tried to do my best here, but there's a lot of history in South Africa. There's a ton, and it's like I had to go back 2.5 million years. There was no way. So it worked out perfectly, (laughs) even though we did not plan it. (laughs) So what is now called the country of South Africa was once comprised of many tribal communities and kingdoms, including the Khoisan actually two closely related groups, as Ashley had brought up in her episode. The Zulu, the Sutu, uh, I'm going to say it like Ashley said, the Kosas. I tried to learn how to say it with the click sound, where it sounds a little bit more like Tosas, but I can't do it, and I didn't want to butcher it. Uh, So it's all those tribes and many more. There there was just this long list of tribes within Mm -hmm. the area. Today, the country is a little over 1.2 million kilometers squared or a little over 471,000 miles squared. And oddly, it has an entire separate country within its borders. Did you know that? I didn't know that until I was looking at it. Isn't it Lesotho? Lesotho, yep. Okay. Yep. It looks like Lesotho, but I think it's pronounced Lesotho. It probably is. I just did that phonetically. Yeah. Because I was looking at a map earlier and I was like, oh yeah, there is a little guy in there. Kind of looks like a jelly bean. Yep. And this is the only country in the world like this. I did not know that. Neither did I until I was looking at the country and I was like, what is that? (laughs) There's a whole other country in it. 
This anomaly is evidence of the battle for control of the land by native peoples and invading Europeans. But we'll back it up a little bit. Although Europeans had been visiting the region for centuries, the Dutch East India Company were the first Europeans to establish a permanent settlement known as Cape Town in 1652. Uh Wanting to keep a friendly relationship with the native inhabitants, they decided to ship in their slaves rather than taking them from the local population, you know, because they respected the native peoples. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh, quote, unquote, respected. Okay, yeah. And it didn't take too long for conflicts to arise anyway, as the native tribes were pushed further and further off of their lands and lost access to important resources necessary to continue their ways of life. Like the Khoi, San, specifically the Khoi Khoi, were pushed off of the lands that they needed for grazing, Mm -hmm. and the San lost lands that they needed to hunt on. So then the British... Uh, decided to move into the region in the early 1800s. And and it's around this time that they helped offer some protection to the native people who had retreated to what would become known as Basutoland, now known as Lesotho. Okay. So that's how that little country came to be. was the the British people came in and they're like, we'll help you out. Hmm. So it's, um, I think more British settlers went there. Although they did, they did take over Cape Town for a while, I believe. So then is that country, does it fall under the monarchy or is it its own nation that doesn't, uh, I guess, consider the Queen of England their monarch or whatever? Pretty sure they're independent. I think they're independent now. Yep. Okay. I don't, they probably weren't in the 1800s because you know how Britain was. Yep. But. I believe they're independent now. I did not dig into it, but I believe going through my stuff that I did see that they were independent. Okay. So the retreat to this region had occurred because there were not only wars between tribes, but also between tribes and the advancing Boers or Boers, which were the Dutch settlers. So by this time in the history of the country, there were very strong racial tensions. Although they had started out kind of amicably where the Khoikhoi had kind of welcomed in the Dutch settlers to trade with. Now things are really not good. Okay, quick insertion. Uh, yes, they were originally under the British crown. They gained independence in October 1966. So Emily and I were right. Thank you. Thank you. We like being right. We do. It's my <laughs> drug of choice. <laughs> In 1910, the Union of South Africa was created. So this is when they first really kind of brought together all these different regions like the Transvaal and everything and created one country, the Union of South Africa, which merged these several smaller states. The, uh, this union was established to really put the minority white population in power. That was the big goal. And unsurprisingly, this really pissed off the black majority. What? What? Oh my God, why would that be upsetting just because people are trying to oppress you? What? It's going to piss you off even more as I get into this. I was reading this just so mad for the people of South Africa. Let's go back in time and throw stuff at people. Preferably fire. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Go away. (laughs) Throw fire at the ships. Get out of here. We don't want you. We will burn your ships. (laughs) We will burn them all. 
1913, the Land Act was passed, which forced black South Africans to live on reserves and made it illegal for them to work as sharecroppers, essentially limiting their ability to support themselves. Cool. Yeah, great, right? So we can already see this marginalization very quickly happening. Mm -hmm. Then in 1948, the pro-Africans, a.k.a. the white Dutch descendants, party came to power and reinforced an all-white government that began implementing apartheid, which literally means apartness in the Afrikaans language. I didn't know that's what it meant. Yeah. Super, super cool. So apartheid would be used to classify people into different races. Black or Bantu were the black South Africans. Colored were those of mixed race. So that's a little different than here in the U.S., Uh, White, of course, and then later they added in Asian as more people came in and settled. And this classification would even split the race of families in which parents might be deemed white, but the children were classified as colored. And this drastically affected the kind of life that you could live. So these classes are still used today. I found them all over the place when talking about the demographics of the country. So these are still how people are classed. Policies related to apartheid also set aside approximately 80% of the land for white citizens, which even as of 2019 only accounted for, guess how much of the population? 3%. 5%. You guys aren't too far off. 8 to 9% of the population. 80% of the land for 8% of the population. I hate life. It's so horrible. Like how are they were how how could they support themselves? Um, Where are they supposed to you, live? They definitely did not care about any mm-hmm. of that. So yeah, in the 1960s, blacks were forcibly removed from their lands, and their properties were resold for super cheap to white farmers. And I mean, absolutely everything was done to separate them from each other, to strip them of their livelihoods, and make sure they had no opportunity to change their situation. God. I'm so hostile. Yeah. This this was a hard story for me to research, but I felt like once I got into it, it was a really important one to talk about. So this episode might be kind of a bummer, but I think it's a really good one. Apartheid did not officially end until 1994 when a new constitution was written, but its effects are still very much felt today. That's not surprising. It's really it really hasn't been that long. It's not even 30 years yet since apartheid yeah. fell. Even today, even today, 2022, an estimated 90% of the nation's wealth is owned by the whites who still only account for 8% of the population. If that gives you any idea of the poverty that black South Africans or colored South Africans live in, if that gives you any idea of what they are up against, That number right there says so much. In 2022, almost 30 years after apartheid fell. I'm I'm angry. Yeah. Yeah. It really, it hurt to read the, like, I knew some of this, but I didn't know it was still, you knew it was bad, bad. but I didn't know it was this bad. But I'm going to include some links at the end of the episode and in the show notes for ways that you can help if you so choose. So stick around for those. Efforts to build new homes for Black South Africans were done in the same area that um, that they had been forced into generations before. So they built these new homes, but they kept them in the same place. So there's still 
segregated, that didn't offer them any real new opportunities to move out and get out of places that are high crime, that are very, very dense population, that literally don't have utilities, they don't have running water, they don't have electricity, there's sewage everywhere. Uh, many still live in slum towns without without basic utilities and sanitation. There's going to be a lot of quiet rage during yeah. this episode because Lindsay and I literally don't know what to say because we're pissed. Yeah. This disparity between the wealth and the poverty, the black and the white, the have and the have-nots of the nation, and a distrust by black citizens of authority, policing, and law enforcement has driven crime throughout the slums, but has also deterred those in more rural areas from reporting crime. So this is a, a, a countrywide problem. Why Why would you report? Yeah, if nothing's going to be done about it. To be fair, um, it's even worse, though, because the police in general in South Africa are severely corrupt, and you're not going to get justice if you do report the crime anyway, like, regardless of what your situation is or how much proof you have. Like, police will straight up just steal evidence from crime scenes if it's valuable and straight up sell it like on the black market for money oh yeah wait till we get into some of the stuff that i'm talking about later like that shit is severe like when we say corrupt we mean corrupt in all caps (laughs) yep so one of the one of the big issues that i came across as i was researching this is the the culture of rape and a big problem is the number of women reporting that they are being picked up, arrested by police officers who then rape them. How do you report a rape to the people who are raping you? You don't. You don't. It's a horrible, horrible situation. Further contributing to this separation were laws such as the Witchcraft Suppression Act of 1957. I didn't know anything about this until I started researching this. This made much of the traditional medicine techniques, the medical techniques, illegal. And this was a really big deal. Oh, yeah. Because especially in rural areas, people didn't have access or couldn't afford to pay Western doctors. So they had to rely very heavily on these traditional healers. Not to mention it's part of their freaking culture. Mm Mm-hmm. According to globalsecurity.org, even today it's estimated that 80% of South Africans consult traditional health practice practitioners often as their first response to a health problem. So traditional healers hold really, really important roles within their communities. Yeah. Historically, Sangomas were trained diviners and spiritual healers believed to be chosen by ancestral spirits, and Inyangas specialized in herbalism, typically prescribing indigenous medicine known as muti, which I'll talk about a little bit more later. Both traditional healer roles were primarily held historically by black men until a series of laws between the 1920s and 1960s were passed that basically drove them out of those positions. It made it undesirable or unfeasible. And this is when black women stepped in to fill these roles, particularly black elder women a lot of times. And one would think that people would be really relieved that there was still someone willing to take this position within the community and offer that kind of support. But unfortunately, it made these women, especially the elder practitioners, targets of witchcraft accusations instead. It's interesting that it started with men and not with women. Because you hear so much of like the witchcraft 
especially with healers, like traditional mm-hmm. healers associated with women, like mid uh, women that would do like midwifery and things like that. Mm-hmm. So interesting. Yeah. And there are different roles. Um, the the two that I named are just the two primary, but there are a, a bunch of others. Like if you had midwife uh, experience, then you would have this particular role. But I think that historically speaking, if you look back throughout uh, the the way that a lot of the tribes were run, it was very, and it still is very patriarchal. Mm-hmm. So women were at home and they raised the children and that was their role. They They were in the home making babies. And so they wouldn't hold those kinds of roles within their community. They didn't have that kind of power. All the power was really for the males in the community, which means that it would make sense that they held also those healer roles. That makes sense. But the women would have known these things too, because they're taking care of their kids. They're watching, they're learning, they know what's going on. So they stepped in to fill those roles. I bring all of this dark history up because I think it plays a huge role in the modern view of the creature that we'll be serving today. This creature has become a piece of entertainment for much of the world. People laugh about it. They joke about it. They turn it into movies and they use it to sell newspapers. But like I said earlier, it's really not a joke. It's not funny. It has serious social implications and may play a role in perpetuating rape, racism, and even modern day witch hunts. And before we really get into it, I I do want to say that while I try very hard to accurately represent the beliefs and culture of each region. I recognize that I am speaking with a white Western voice, which will never fully capture the voice of the people, particularly in a situation like this. I have not lived that life. I cannot, I simply cannot understand what they go through. And I say this because discourse surrounding this creature is most definitely warped by the Western view of superstition the white view of traditional medicine, and the patriarchal view of women's role in society. So I think it's really important to say that up front that I recognize that my voice isn't the best one to be telling the story, but I think that somebody needs to say it. Okay. Uh, People affected by this creature are often very marginalized, and I realized through my research that much of the discussion around the being simply perpetuates that marginalization, so I tried my best to approach this topic with sensitivity, like the best sensitivity that I can. And with that really big bummer of an appetizer out of the way, we're going to take a quick coffee break. We'll be right back with a truly weird little dish. Enjoying the meal? Consider leaving us a rating and review on Apple, Podchaser, Good Pods, or Spotify. It's free, and it helps our little restaurant get noticed by others with your spectacularly good taste. If you want to help support the restaurant, you can rock some of our merch from our Tea Public shop or buy us a fresh slice on Buy Me a Coffee, because we can never get enough. If you simply can't get enough pineapple pizza, become a donor on Patreon and earn all kinds of amazing benefits. We have three tiers to accommodate almost any budget. Become a patron today and start enjoying all the perks and extra content right away. You can find all the links to our social media, streaming platforms, and support pages in the show notes and on pineapplepizzapodcast.com. That's pineapplepizzapodcast.com. Thank you for waiting. I hope you're hungry for the main course. Even though this is dark and heavy, I chose this cryptid because unlike some of the other cryptids we've served up, belief in this being is very strong. 
Many people absolutely believe it exists and is the culprit behind a myriad of misfortunes. And let me just say this thing is problematic on so many levels, and we will get into it. So you might be wondering, what am I serving up? Have you guys ever heard of the Tokoloche? Yep. I haven't. Mm -hmm. Yep. Tokoloche, it goes by many names. Utokoloche, Tikoloche, Tokoloche, Tikoloche, a whole bunch of names because it's known uh, not just in South Africa. It's actually known across many Southern African nations. Historically speaking, the Tokoloche was viewed as more of a trickster character, mischievous, but not necessarily outright dangerous. And this is often still the view in more rural areas. But as urban areas expanded, however, lore around it and related to it became more violent. Don't like that. We've seen that in a few other things where, depending on where you're at, the way you view it, um, it could be darker. Yep. Today, it is primarily perceived and portrayed as a tiny, evil, terrifying creature with an insatiable sexual appetite. I don't, I don't, I don't like it. No, I don't like it either. Mm-mm. Often said to be goblin, gremlin, zombie, or poltergeist-like, descriptions of its appearance vary. Generally, it's thought to be small, only about a meter or a little over three feet tall, with leathery, wrinkly, gray to bluish skin that may be covered in hair. It may have long pointy ears, long arms and bony fingers, possibly a tail, a squished face, and a buttock like a baboon. And I say buttock instead of buttocks because it has one. How are you going to have one buttock? I Wasn't there um, in one of the... Bill and Ted's bogus adventure. Wasn't there an alien that had like one butt cheek? Or no, that thing was all butt cheek. That's what that was. I don't know. I'm just like trying to grapple with this. I, I don't know. Why would you have one? I don't remember. I don't know. And then you go to the Kappa and they have three buttholes and it's like. Eh. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the Tikolosh may have its eyes gouged out. It probably has a hole in its skull. And it has a gigantic penis that is so large, it literally throws it over its shoulder like a continental soldier. Um, okay. Couple of things. One, I hate it. Two, (laughs) I really hate it. And three, I really, really hate it. (laughs) Yep. Right there with her, or Lens. I'm sorry. Wow. Yeah, I just, that's the part that I remember, is that it's got, like, a peen that's, like... As long as it is tall. Yeah. Yep. That's its uh, big distinguishing characteristic is the gigantic penis. Mm -hmm. It may speak with a lisp. It usually runs around in its birthday suit, but it may wear a kind of traditional cape that offers it some kind of cover. I couldn't find out what the name of this traditional cape was or find a an image of it, but that's the way it's described everywhere. And I'm guessing that 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 I, the reason I couldn't find a name is that it varies a little bit depending on which region you're in mm-hmm. and the type of clothing that would be traditional. Um, and it's definitely not a strong climber. So descriptions of this being are so all over the place because no two tokoloshes are the same. Each one is entirely unique, and you'll see why in a little bit. Several sources called this being a water sprite of Zulu tradition. 
I couldn't find anything directly tying it to the Zulu people, though the being was mentioned in multiple early to mid-1800 sources from white settlers and missionaries moving through those regions. It might be from the writings of William Shea, however, that people draw the Zulu conclusion and association. So just a, a quick note before I talk about Shaw's writings, he used the racial slur Kaffir, which is a word we came across previously while we were talking about the Capre of the Philippines and the slave trade that may have inspired the name of the giant. I didn't want to just go outright and quote him without pointing out that some of the words that he used are offensive, and that is a big one. So don't use it. I'm pointing it out here. I have to use it. The only way to point it out is to use it. Don't use it. In his 1860 book, The Story of My Mission in Southeastern Africa, comprising some account of the European colonists with extended notices of the Kaffir and other native tribes, which is a long-ass title, by the way, he says, quote, The people universally believe that, aided by some mysterious and evil influence, the nature of which no one can define or explain, bad persons may enter into league with wolves, baboons, jackals, and particularly with an imaginary amphibious creature, mostly abiding in the deep portions of the rivers and called by the border kaffirs Utokolosh, end quote. So it's probably based on his writings of the region that people just kind of... I think most likely what happened is people went, oh, Zulu is a really recognizable name, right? Mm-hmm. Zulu's from South Africa. This guy went from South Africa or went through South Africa. So it must be of Zulu origin if he's talking about it just because it was – that's what we do. Yeah. Yeah, and they are the largest ethnic group and nation within mm-hmm. the country too. So it's like – I feel like people were like, yeah, that's the group that I know. Right. Yep. That's exactly what my thinking was. But according to PBS's Monstrum, its origin does remain – undetermined and likely lost to time. And based on my own research, I I believe it because this thing goes by so many names and it's known across so many uh, Southern African countries that I think it's probably almost impossible to know how it first came to be. And the whole Zulu spirit association is just probably speculation. Well, and as Ashley mentioned too, if it's in her episode, it's entirely possible that they just kind of believed it's always been there too. You know what I mean? Yep. And so it wouldn't have an origin story. Yep. In his writings, Shaw mentioned that bad people, quote, quote, bad people enter into league with this creature. And by bad people, he meant witches. Yep. So this was a belief before Europeans ever came to the region. They did believe in witches. So this isn't like a European introduction. Um, It is widely believed that the Tokolosh is conjured by witches to act as familiars or sidekicks, and they often carry out the dirty work that the witch doesn't want to be associated with. Mm -hmm. The witches don't just conjure these beings up from out in the world, though. They're not just naturally out there. They have to create the Tokolosh, so I guess they would have kind of a creation story. Each Tokolosh is made from scratch by a witch who wishes to do ill on another or by someone who hires the witch. And this is why no two Tokoloshes are the same. Because okay. each one is made individually. That but- makes sense. Mm-hmm. Wait till we get to the ingredients. I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> 
no one knows exactly how they are created because only a witch would know those details. Nobody else is supposed to know how this happens. But we do, quote, know, you know, they're made with malicious intent. And we have some ideas about the process and ingredients that are required. So buckle up. And again, this varies pretty wildly, and it explains the uniqueness of each creature. A tokoloche might be made from a domestic animal that was transformed, or an animated doll. I know, Lindsay, you love that idea. Hate it. Burn it. <laughs> it might actually be the witch themselves. It might be made from graveyard dirt and body parts. Or it might be the skin of a corpse stuffed with other ingredients. Uh, why am I having weird freaking flashbacks to that episode of Invader Zim where he stuffs all those organs into himself? Gross. Yep. <laughs> Nasty. And all, and all the pigeons follow him around. <laughs> those pigeons. Damn pigeons. I'm just thinking of human haggis. But. Yep. Yep. <laughs> She could see Ashley's face. Yeah. I'm trying not to hurl. It's not going well. <laughs> Hates it. <laughs> no offense, Scotland. Well, I don't think this, the Scottish are like really happy either that I said that. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> that is not what we eat. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God. That's their new slogan. Does not contain human. Oh, my God. What a way to spell it. <laughs> Coincidentally, that's also the name of my autobiography. <laughs> uh, so the I don't know how to transition from the autobiography to the next part. The hole in the head that the Tokolosh has. Uh, occurs when the witch thrusts a hot poker or nail into the skull, animating this grotesque creation. The the hole in the head thing just made me like think of Dahmer for some reason. Did anybody else go to Dahmer? Just no. me? Just no. me? Cool. All yeah. right. Awesome. That's that to you. I Sorry. was too busy over here going, if you like it, then you should have put a poker in its head. And I was like, no. I'm really sorry, Beyonce. I don't know why this always happens. It's because your song is so catchy. It is catchy. I guess. Sorry, I love your songs. I could not find anything that explains why it has the gigantic schlong, though. There's nothing in how it's created that explains where this big old peen comes from. I don't know. According to a South African website called Opera News, yep, this is the reliable source I went to, but they had some information. <laughs> the Tokolosh is created when a witch cuts out the eyes and tongue of a full-sized corpse, then jams the heated rod into the skull so they cram it down in there. Fun, fun. The body will shrink and the tokolosh will awaken. So I don't know if maybe it's in the process of the shrinking that maybe because that's not an, doesn't contain any actual bones that that doesn't shrink. That would explain the big ears. It still wouldn't make it 3 feet long. No, it wouldn't. Let's be real. Let's be honest yeah. about it. It would it something's growing. It's yep. fine. 
There's too much penis happening in this episode. <laughs> yep, and it's not great penis either. It's not funny penis. <laughs> Lin- <laughs> Lindsay is pondering here. <laughs> She's trying to work this one out. She's doing some very interesting math, I think. I, over yeah, there. I think I'm like trying to figure out like how a man would shrink in order for the the penis size to be close to what I don't know how it would work. No, it doesn't. It doesn't math out. <laughs> I heard one podcast ask if maybe the hole was for storing the penis so they didn't trip over it. It's like, <laughs> oh my god. It's for just the tip. <laughs> just the tip. Just locks in there. <laughs> it's like a detachable mug handle. Oh god. god. Okay. Let's just quick public service announcement. Just because something has a hole doesn't mean you should stick a penis in it. <laughs> oh my god. That is so true. I just feel like there's someone out there who needs to hear this message right now. Yes. Mhm. So Wikipedia said pretty much the same thing as Opera News. Opera News that um you know, they take a full-size corpse and it kind of shrinks down. But they added that the witch sprinkles a special powder on the board. Boardy. On the, the boardy. body. The boardy. Yep. On the boardy that causes it to shrink a dink a dink. <laughs> Except for the dink. <laughs> Makes that grow a grow a grow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we had God. to get some laughter in here somewhere because it's a yeah. funny episode. I figured it was going to be in this middle part. Uh, it also added the caveat, however, that uh, whoever hires a witch to create the tokolosh for their own nefarious purposes has to offer up the soul of a loved one. But they don't get to choose which loved one. The tokolosh will make that choice. Yep. So someone has to be willing to lose someone. Excuse me. Someone has to be willing to lose someone that they love very dearly so that they can cause harm to someone else. Mm-hmm. Like, so it really, it's, a, it's, it's like dark. the skull stone is what you're telling me. Yeah, it's it's really dark. And you're they won't know when the tokolosh will take that soul. There's no set deadline. So it could be hours, it could be years, and you're just constantly going to be waiting to lose someone that you love. Mm-hmm. This portion, that particular little portion of, of Wikipedia, it didn't have any citations though. So perhaps take that with a grain of salt. Whether that's actually true about offering up the soul, but I, I can say that generally looking at the creation of this creature, it, it is meant for nefarious purposes. It's yep. meant to do harm to people. So yeah. it would track, at least. Yeah. Once the tokolosh is created, the witch directs it to the targeted person by burying a muti near the home of the intended victim. So muti are traditional medicine. And they're widely used, and they've gotten a really uh, bad rap because there are different forms of muti. And and it's important for traditional medicine. But in the case of the tokolosh, they're basically a concoction of oils, herbs, and animal body parts. And they bury this. While this gives the tokolosh some direction as to who they need to target, the being can think for itself. And it isn't super targeted, so it can and will attack others if it so chooses, which is just awesome. You're letting this thing loose on the world. Does it attack others that are in the home or just others that are like close to wherever the jar thing is? It's anybody. It knows where it needs to go and it'll go there. But it might be like, 
that looks interesting over there. I'm going to go cause trouble there. And the kind of trouble that it can cause varies. Like it could be something annoying, like it's stealing some of your jewelry to something really bad, Mm -hmm. like death. Yep. So even though it takes directions from the witch, it can make its own decisions, and those decisions are usually awful. Mm -hmm. That's what you really want in life is an autonomous thing that makes bad choices. Makes horrible, just cruel choices. Yes. Like, hi, I gave you partial direction, but you can just fuck up whatever you want while you're at it. Coolio. Yeah. I hate it. Yeah. I hated learning about this guy, and I'm sharing him now with you. Let's just set it on fire. Thanks. Yes. The first sign that you've been targeted and a tokolosh is coming after you are said to be dreams. But not just any dreams. Dreams that make you sublimely happy. No, 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 no. Please Mm -hmm. don't ruin things. No. You have everything that you want. You come into great luck. You have the person that you've been dreaming of, or you have really hot, steamy sex dreams. God damn it. Don't ruin my sex dreams. I need those to keep me alive. (laughs) (laughs) Well, these are thought to be signs that the Tokolosh is coming because the idea is that it's trying to throw you off off your game and kind of get you to let your guard down. You're waking up happy. You're sleeping without... You know, one having, eye open. Yeah, you're not on edge all the time, being prepared for the worst. Good luck getting me. I always think something terrible is going to happen. <laughs> they have another trick up their skin suits, though. Gross. <laughs> Why would you say it like that? It's so horrifying. Because they don't have sleeves. <laughs> <sighs> <sighs> That's right. I didn't mute myself for that gag. You gotta hear it. (laughs) So their other trick is that they can become invisible. And they do this either by drinking water. Don't know why it's water. Maybe it's because they're associated with water. Or by carrying or swallowing a small magical stone. Think Capre. When they are invisible, only the witch that created them can see them. So there are stories of people hearing something on their roof that sounds like a pebble rolling down the roof, and then all of a sudden they see a togolosh coming into their home. So they think it lost its magic stone or it dropped it. Gross. So, yeah. It's like the worst treasure troll ever. Yeah. Tokoloshes love to wreak havoc. They are blamed for everything from scaring children, causing bad dreams, and theft of property. To starting fires, biting off toes, drinking blood, causing illness, raping people, men and women, though mostly women, Mm -hmm. and even strangling people to death with their long, bony fingers. Okay, that's not what I thought you were going to say, and I'm a little relieved. (laughs) Yeah. It is even believed by some that simply looking at a tokolosh in the face means certain death. So these are not things you want to run into. If you thought the Draga or the Yaramaya who were awful, I do not want to have a run-in with a tokolosh. No. These guys suck. They're awful. 
Many pages said they only attack people of Zulu descent, but others said they are known to attack people of any race and ancestry. And I'm more inclined to believe the latter since, as I was doing this research, I found mentions of the Tokolosh, the creature, from multiple South African countries, including Namibia, Botswana, Lesotho, and Zimbabwe, just to name a few that I found. Like It was all over. So this would suggest that it's not simply a threat to the Zulu people. It's to anybody. Sure. Once the Tokolosh has completed its mission, whatever that may be, whether it's just to set fire to something or to do something worse, it doesn't just disappear. It's not like, hey, I've completed my job and poof, I'm done. Now I'm just a skin sack on the ground again. Because <laughs> that would be horrible if you're going for a walk and there's just a skin sack laying there. Tokolosh. Okay. It's the, the worst kind of rapture ever. Ugh. Okay, it would be <laughs> horrible, but it'd still be better than it being animated. Yes, And that's you true. came across it. That's so true. I'll take the deflated skin sack. Please. Thank you. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, it doesn't deflate. It just kind of keeps wandering around causing trouble and mischief and until it's called by the witch that created it to do something new. So, But it, it seems like it generally, from what I gathered, it'll only kill on direction from the witch, but it sounds like every other awful thing that it does, it'll do anyway. It doesn't I need direction like for that. No. Yeah. Hate it sucks. It. So, according to the Cryptids fandom page, the only way to completely get rid of a Tokolosh is to find and destroy the Muti that was created by the witch to control the creature. So, you'd have to know it was buried, dig it up, burn it, get rid of it, whatever you need to do. If this can't be accomplished, there are said to be at least a few ways to appease it or keep it at bay. And the biggest one, this is by far the most widely talked about method is to simply raise your bed up off the floor on some bricks because mm-hmm. they're short and yep. they suck at climbing. <laughs> and this is seriously a thing. You will go into people's homes throughout South Africa and find their beds raised up on bricks because of fear of the togolish. Like that's how real this fear is. Or paint cans. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anything to get it up. Uh, I forgot where it was. Oh, there I am. Sorry. <laughs> That was a sexy sound. Oh, yeah. (laughs) That's the sound I make when I'm lifting up bricks. (laughs) (laughs) The Tokolosh, the Tokoloshes, also really love to steal cow's milk. So a way to keep them happy is to put out curdled milk for them to drink. They really like the curdled milk. It will at least stall them and give you a chance to get away. Think about, like, have you ever heard that if you throw... Um, grains on the or rice on the ground in front of a fairy, it'll have to stop and bend and count them. No, no, no you've never heard that. It's kind of like that. You put the milk out, and the tokolosh is like, "Cool, I am totally distracted. I'm going over here." And you're like, "Cool, bye." I have heard about throwing caramels at the kuchesake ona. <laughs> yep, there's something for everyone, right? Candy. I <laughs> like curdled milk. Wow. So shiny. Too bad you can't just... Caramels won't work for everybody. Yeah. That would make it so easy because then you can just carry the caramels around everywhere and not have to worry. Just mm-hmm. chuck them. But no, it has to be specific. I just picture somebody like chucking candy at like small children. 
Yeah. See, here I am picturing them trying to carry around a bowl of curdled milk and throw it out. <laughs> no. Just whip it out. Of, where did you keep that? No. Don't hide that. Up the, no, it's mm. going to smell so bad. Oh, God, that would be horrible. I want to gag just like thinking about the smell of rotten milk. If for any weird reason you want to trap a tokolosh, you can enlist the help of a sangoma who will sprinkle a powder made from the corpse of an already dead tokolosh around your property because that sounds delightful. They're just kind of laying around. You know, all those empty skin sacks. Yep. Gross. You can also sprinkle special tokolosh salts around doors and windowsills to keep the creatures out, or you can smear your body with an ointment made from tokolosh fat for protection. No, I'm not going to do that. No, and thank you. you can buy these at the store. No, thank you. Oh. But is it organic? I suppose it depends on the ingredients stuffed inside of the tokolosh. <laughs> 100% grade A human meat. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> Gross. I mean, if formaldehyde <laughs> was involved at any process, then no. In any case, you will likely need the help of the Sangoma. And it is for this reason that it is sometimes believed a Sangoma will create the problem so that they can be hired to fix the problem, ensuring an income for themselves. We've heard that yeah. before. Mm-hmm. And this makes the act of helping victims of tokolosh attacks dangerous because it could lead to the Sangoma themselves potentially being accused of witchcraft. While this may sound strange or even ridiculous to people in North America and Europe, it is actually still a very real issue for people in countries all over South America, Africa, and India. And I had no idea how many tens of thousands of women die because of witchcraft. It's wild. I think Tanzania between 1960 and 2000. Tanzania, just one country. Over 40,000 women were killed. Burned to death. Hacked to death. As part of witch hunts. It's still a real problem. A 2014 New York Times article stated that globally, killings of suspected witches are estimated to be in the thousands every year while beatings and banishments could run into the millions. God. And accused witches are almost always women, regardless of region. So for the marginalized Black women practicing a tra as traditional healers in a patriarchal culture, mm -hmm. like the one still going strong in South Africa, accusations of witchcraft can prove literally deadly. Mm-hmm. Belief in the tokolosh puts the lives of women in danger. But as we'll see in our final dish, it may also weirdly offer some sense of protection. And with that, we'll take a short break while we go check on the final part of the meal. Do you love true crime but are looking for something different? It sounds like a sitcom. It does. The Benders. The kind of assholes you should probably leave them alone. Do you like learning about cases so off the wall they can't possibly be true? Her wig is enormous, but it is lifted off her head by a monkey 
Do you love history, but want to hear about what they didn't teach you in school? It's just got a almost where you hang your horns sign. <laughs> Do you like laughing awkwardly about cases that are bizarre and a little strange? They'd be able to wield so many knives with all of their little arms. <laughs> then we have the podcast for you. Join me, Lindsay. And me, Madison, for Ye old Crime. Where we discuss the funny, strange, and obscure crimes of yesteryear. Listen every Wednesday, wherever you get your podcasts. And we'll see you next time with another tale as old as crime. We're back with the final dish, and it honestly, it, uh, it, might be a little bit hard to swallow. So heads up. So now we're going to get into the possible origins and inspirations for this cryptid, as well as why it may be such a persistent pest. Although PBS's Monstrum pointed out its exact origins can't be determined, there are some hypotheses floating around. For the potential Zulu origin, it is ex- it is speculated that the Zulu people used to sleep on the floor near fires, and potentially people died from carbon monoxide poisoning, and their deaths were attributed to the Tokolosh. And I saw this all over the place, and my first thought was, I'm pretty sure carbon monoxide is lighter than air, and I thought, that didn't really make sense to me, so I went digging, and sure enough, carbon monoxide is slightly lighter than air, and it will rise in a room. So this is why, like... If you ever put a carbon monoxide detector in your home, they tell you to put it like four to five feet off the floor Mm. because carbon monoxide won't settle around the floor. So this makes it highly unlikely that people sleeping on the floor next to fires were dying of carbon monoxide poisoning. Gotcha. You'd be more likely to die in your bed from carbon monoxide poisoning. Not to mention, it's unlikely that the Zulu would have been the only people to sleep on the floor. So one would have expected this to be a problem for other peoples throughout the region. Mm -hmm. But I didn't see it reported that it was an issue anywhere else. They're just like, it's Zulu, it's Zulu, it's Zulu. So again, I think we fall back on the people are just calling it Zulu because that's the big one that we know. Yep. It's possible that Tokolosh may have been inspired by another trickster figure of Kosa and Zulu mythology, the Hlakanyana. I apologize if I mispronounced that. I could not find a phonetic, how to say that anywhere, pronunciation. According to Encyclopedia of Folk Heroes by Graham Seal, this being could take on animal or human form, could be male or female, had a devil's tail, and a capacity for evil magic. In one story, it convinces an old woman through deception to allow herself to be cooked alive. Then it serves her to her sons. The sons eventually come up with a plan which uh, in which they dig a hole in the ground and then they fill it with milk. And then they say, let's all jump over this hole of milk. Don't really know why that was the plan, but that's their plan. And the Hlakanyana doesn't want to jump. It's like, no, no, I don't want to do it. But it eventually decides, okay, I have to, otherwise they're going to suspect me. And it does. It jumps across. But in doing so, its tail drops out and dips in the milk, and it reveals itself. Hmm. So this is kind of like the milk and this little trickster being that causes problems and is certainly violent. Maybe it comes from there. In another version... Uh, in African Mythology A to Z by Patricia Ann Lynch and Jeremy Roberts, it's described as a tiny baby with the face of an old man, like Benjamin Button. 
And this version would steal people's food and trick them into violence against each other. It was a lot of um, causing men to beat their wives. It's a charming, charming little narrative. Nice. Yep. In both stories, the Halakanyana dies a gruesome death. Based on what I read, though, I think it most likely began as kind of like a boogeyman water spirit. Because I did see water spirits mentioned in a lot of places. And I think it's kind of like the bunyip of Australia or um, the kappa of Japan, the vaginoi of Russia, that it probably had a social purpose for keeping women and children away from water so they don't drown and also had a role of keeping them, quote, in line, you know, keeping them at home, keeping them where we can keep an eye on them. So it was a, it was just a general boogeyman. But as we see time and again, its role within society warped and changed. The Tokolosh has become a kind of scapegoat for all kinds of assault, crimes, fears, and even simply excuses to end marriages. Nice. Some believe that if a woman loses interest in having sex with her husband, it's because she is being visited in the night by a Tokolosh. So she is no longer satisfied by her husband because he can't possibly compare to what the Tokolosh is packing. Does anybody see any problems with this? Aren't they evil? They are evil. Do you think they were invited there by the woman? No. No. Do you think she has any choice in it? No. No. So this would be, in fact, rape? What? What? So she is not a willing participant. She hasn't invited it. She can't, she literally can't even see her attacker. Mm -hmm. This also doesn't. The other, there are a couple problems with this. It doesn't give women the option to simply not want to have sex in their marriages. They have to always be good to go for their husband or else obviously there's something wrong. Mm -hmm. Couldn't possibly be that maybe he's not good at sex, but it's fine. (laughs) Even if you are good at sex, maybe you just don't want it. Mm Mm-hmm. I hate life. Can we just like maybe cancel life? It's dark. And then this is also used as an excuse for divorce. So that's another really big problem with blaming on the Tokolosh is they are then like, oh, because she doesn't want to have sex with me, I can divorce her. And I can guarantee that almost always it is the man seeking the divorce simply because of the way the laws were set up there historically Mm -hmm. and because of the Type of traditional settings, which, you know, you have a traditional setting, but let's take step back and take a look at this. Like, this mm-hmm. is seriously aimed at women. Yeah. You might be wondering, why do I think that it's the man that's always seeking the divorce? Well, because under apartheid law, blacks had to marry under a system called out of community of property, which gave men all property rights, including his wife essentially becoming his property. She doesn't even own herself. Cool. This law was repealed in 1988, but didn't change the status of marriages prior to that date. So women who had married before that were still the property of their husbands. Do you want to guess when those older marriages, when when that changed for those older marriages? What, What was the year that it went into effect? That it was repealed? Yeah, that it was repealed. 1988. I'm going to say it still hasn't. I'm going to say 2005. 2020. Jesus Christ. 
We were both real close, actually. (laughs) It wasn't until 2020 that marriages that had occurred prior to the repeal date were deemed in community, meaning the wife would finally have equal property rights. So if she left him, she could take the prop- half of the property or her property that she came in with. Anything before that, husbands, when they divorced, they got everything. The woman was left with nothing. God. So, yeah, the whole idea of the Tokolosh coming into a house and a woman it's because she's being visited by the Tokolosh and she doesn't want me anymore so now i can divorce her bullshit it's just an excuse to get yourself a new wife which by the way was already allowed in south africa men can marry multiple women they're in the process of allowing women to marry multiple men that's not allowed yet of course not they are put they are fighting for that to be fair but there we are won't like a bajillion reasons someone might not want to have sex with you. It does not mean oh, yeah. that there is a tokaloosh. <sighs> yep. I hate everything. As you can imagine, even with a repeal, the perspective of wives as property of their husbands was pretty well ingrained, and that takes time to change. Although women have legal rights in South Africa, the traditional views of women as belonging in the house and being expected to raise several children still hold to this day. And there are even rules about women like touching milk. Of course there are. What? It's like they're not allowed to drink the milk. And so one of the reasons it's believed that the Tokolosh likes curdled milk was it was actually the women blaming missing milk on the tokolosh because they didn't want to get beaten by their husbands because they drank the milk why can't women drink milk i don't know i didn't dig into that i'm gonna because this was already long enough but i was like are you serious women can't even drink milk and they're being like the tokolosh is so that they can simply drink milk i don't even like milk and i want to go drink like a gallon of milk right now just to upset people (laughs) (laughs) not curdled milk though no. no, of course not. No. But I, milk is not good. No, I don't it's, it's like gross. it. Mm-mm. But I'll drink some just to make you unhappy. But now, I bet universe. in a place where you're not drinking clean water, milk is pretty important. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Put a little chocolate in it. That makes it better. Yeah. <laughs> I am five years old with my palate. I'm not. I sorry. like chocolate milk too, or strawberry milk. Mm. I like strawberry I don't like milk. Strawberry. Oh, it's so good. It's pretty, though, because it's pink. The old Nesquik, when you used to put the powder, the strawberry powder in, it's basically just strawberry sugar. Mm-hmm. Yep. Good. Now I want chocolate milk. <laughs> Hold on to the thought of how chocolate milk makes you feel, because it's about to get dark. Uh. It makes me feel happy. Especially if it comes with waffles. <laughs> oh, that is good. So we already have the problem of the tokolosh being an issue for a divorce, right? And the fact that it comes in and it's, oh, now the wife doesn't want me because she's being visited by the tokolosh. Like, that's any choice of hers. This becomes a really big issue when you take into account the incredible rape culture, incredible rape culture in South Africa. I believe, um, I know that it was Interpol recently i think within the past year or so named south africa the rape capital of the world that's a title every country wants to have right totally so these next things that i talk about are going to be hard 
every year but one since 2008 has had over 40,000 reported cases of rape in South Africa. And that's reported. That's reported. That's reported. Mm -hmm. That is believed to only be a tiny fraction of the numbers that actually occur, with only an estimated one out of every nine victims filing a report and even fewer seeking prosecution of their attackers. One out of every nine. Nine times 40,000. God damn it. Every year. Every year. And, sadly, the vast majority of these are not committed by a single attacker. It is groups. Researcher Jennifer Badstubner... Oh, I can't say this name. Researcher Jennifer Badstubner argues that believing in or blaming the Tokolosh for rapes may allow victims a way to speak out about their attack without fear of retaliation from the community or the perpetrators themselves. This is where the belief in the Tokolosh offers some safety. It allows the community a chance to rally around the victim and offer group protection. That's so fucked up. It's fucked up because of how women are viewed when they've been taken. Mm -hmm. Rape, we know, rape, it's got to be the woman's fault. Should have locked door, shouldn't have been walking there, shouldn't have been wearing that. There's no way for her to win. And so the Tokolosh offers some kind of security. Because the vast majority of victims are black women in a country with a dark history of racist and gendered division, it is not surprising that victims do not feel they can speak to or trust authorities. Perhaps blaming the Tokolosh offers them a sense of security because they can seek refuge from their trusted community healers. People who are like them. Unfortunately, it does not appear at all uncommon to blame this creature for rapes. Uh, I cannot <laughs> I cannot even tell you how many articles I read that basically turned it into fodder for entertainment about people reporting that they were raped by Tokolosh. Because they can't report who actually did it. Sometimes they don't even know. Sometimes they're beaten so badly they won't recognize their victims. There are also plenty of articles detailing people blaming harm to children on the Tokolosh. Perhaps the most famous of these cases was that of Dumi Mambela. A few local children ran to Dumi seeking protection after they saw a pair of small feet in a dark doorway and became frightened. So this is back in the 1930s. Dumi, thinking this must be a Tokolosh, grabbed an axe and went to where the boys had seen the feet. Without looking at the creature so that it couldn't kill him with its gaze, he swung the axe until he decapitated the suspected Tokolosh. The Tokolosh turned out to be his little cousin. God damn it. Yeah. His story is a really big story because of how it uh, changed the discussion of traditional views and what a reasonable... There, there was law about being what's a reasonable action or reasonable suspicion in South Africa. And an all-white jury didn't view traditional beliefs in a Tokolosh as being a reasonable explanation, even though for much of the country, it was a reasonable fear. And so it really changed the discussion mm -hmm. on judicial law. While his account sent him to prison, 
I believe he was originally sentenced to death and then they moved him off of death row. There are other accounts of parents or family members blaming the Tokolosh for injuries their children sustain. We're talking like nasty injuries. People, there were papers about children going to get x-rays and they are filled with pins. Pins all over their body. It was awful to look at these pictures. This blame may serve a few purposes. It may seek to protect family or community members who are abusing the children. Or it may be used to target undesirable individuals within the community because the presence of a tokolosh requires a witch. Mm -hmm. There seems to be great fear of witches across much of Southern Africa. So we're talking multiple countries. And the country of South Africa is no exception. People who are traditional healers, elderly, disabled, too successful, too beautiful, albino, may be believed to be witches. And from what I can tell, the belief is that all witches are malicious and dangerous to the community, and thus they need to be eliminated. Women, particularly elderly black women, are often accused of sorcery across Southern Africa. And there there are so many stories of absolutely brutal slayings of these elderly women where they are literally hacked to death with machetes or burned to death or both. And it's often mob violence because somebody said there was some, they witnessed them doing some kind of witchcraft. They were harming children. They sent a tokolosh. It's awful. A 2009 case study in African Health Sciences stated, quote, There are about 50 to 60 bodies of elderly women brought to Umtata General Hospital Mortuary every year who had been implicated in witchcraft. There are four characteristic features of this witchcraft-related deaths. First, a witch is always a woman. Secondly, they are elderly, usually greater than 50 years. Thirdly, most of the time, the perpetrator is related to the victim or very well known to her. Fourthly, there is some sort of community consensus or permission to eliminate these witches. God. That's 60 women every year at just one regional hospital. God. It's horrible. If we step back and take another look at the Tokolosh, it really... It really becomes a tool of gender violence against women. If a woman is raped, blame the tokolosh. If there is a tokolosh, there must be a witch. The witch must be a woman, and thou shalt not suffer a witch to live. Mm -hmm. Kill the witch to protect the community. It also works to support racist perspectives in journalism worldwide, because the tokolosh is often treated as a superstition of poor rural, uneducated Blacks who seek the help of traditional healers to protect themselves. The belief and the method of protection both set the victims apart as others, drawing a line between us and them. They're poor, they're rural, they live out there, they're Black, can't forget that they're Black, so they believe differently and they use traditional medicine. So, while it is clear there is a much greater problem with gender and racial inequality and violence in South Africa, Discussion of the Tokolosh by the Western world as if it were this silly superstition 
rather than as a way to explain the human experience in the region, only further deepen the divide between us and them, making real change harder to realize. Because we continue to draw this line. Instead of saying, maybe we should look at why these women don't feel they can report it. Maybe we should look at why these communities are so afraid Mm -hmm. that they take things into their own hands. And doing something to change that and open discourse and dialogue and offer resources, we continue to be, oh, that's traditional and they're just so backwards and that's, you know, they're uncivilized. And that is the horrible, horrible, horrible story of the Tokolosh. I've included two links in our show notes. One is a link to the Tears Foundation of South Africa, which provides confidential services and access to crisis intervention, advocacy, counseling, and prevention education education services for those impacted by domestic violence, sexual assault, and child sexual abuse. The services are free of charge. The second is a link to Africa uh, to an Africa-specific page of the Witchcraft and Human Rights Information Network, which promotes awareness and understanding of human rights violations that are committed around the world due to belief in witchcraft. And there are several links on the page that's specifically Africa to associated organizations all across Africa that provide support and refuge to people in danger from witchcraft ac- accusations because they can't live in their communities anymore. They will be killed. They have to run away and they need support because they often don't have any men around to help them live anymore and they live in societies where women cannot support themselves. And because this story was so awful, I don't want to talk about where else we see this. That's fair. I just want to leave it where it is. We don't need to go and look at this thing as entertainment. It's not entertainment. It's a real problem. And so I'm just going to go ahead and give you the ingredients. It is a very long list because boy, did I fall down a rabbit hole on this one. So ingredients for this dish were sourced from a 2010 history article about apartheid, a 2019 University of Washington article titled Informal Housing, Poverty, and Legacies of Apartheid in South Africa, a Republic of South Africa page on the history of the country, a Nations Encyclopedia page on the history of Lesotho, African Mythology A to Z by Patricia Ann Lynch and Jeremy Roberts, accessed on Google Books, Encyclopedia of Folk Heroes by Graham Seal, also accessed on Google Books. Episode 142 of Two Girls, One Ghost, entitled Folklore. An opera news page entitled Here is How You Can Trap a Tokolosh. The Wikipedia page on the Tikolosh, another name for the Tokolosh. A cryptids fandom page on the same. Uh, Season 1, Episode 17 of PBS's Monstrum, which is just a fantastic show. An August 2021 BBC article entitled Agnes Sithole, the woman who fought South Africa's sexist marriage laws. She's the woman who got the law turned around. Nice. She was like 78 and she was like, I'm not dealing with this husband anymore and he's not getting my property. Way to go, Agnes. She's a freaking hero. A 2014 New York Times article entitled The Persecution of Witches 21st Century Style. A January 2008 article from the Australian... Oh, no, I'm sorry. From the Australasian Review of African Studies by Jennifer Badstubner, entitled Rape and the Tikolosh Sexual Violence and Fear in a South African Township. A 2019 Nursing Clio article entitled Femininity and Legitimacy, Policing Women and Witches in Post-Apartheid South Africa. 
a page on globalsecurity.org called Witchcraft in South Africa, a March 2009 article in African Health Sciences by B.L. Meal entitled Witchcraft in Transki Region of South Africa, case report and a Okay, it's a case report. And a fall 2004 <laughs> article in Law and Literature by Patrick Lenta entitled The Tikolosh and the Reasonable Man Transgressing South African Legal Fictions. So, yeah, it's a big issue. But I felt like it was really worth talking about because I think from the number of times I've heard this creature joked about, I didn't want to joke about it. That's fair. And I thought people needed to hear that that was the wrong way to be approaching this creature. So I'm sorry that was a big old bummer. Why don't we try and uh, turn it around and end on a, a high note? Anybody have anything good going on? So I don't. I probably haven't mentioned it on here yet because I've only been talking about it on Yield Crime. But I have been learning how to one wheel this year, which for people who are like, "What the hell is that?" It's not a unicycle. It is a motorized skateboard. So if you remember in the 80s, those like bounce, bouncy ball things that had like yep, the, the thing you ball. could, the moon ball that you could like stand on and try uh-huh. to like balance and stuff. It's kind of like that. But instead of a ball, it's a motorized wheel. So how do you not fall on your ass every single time? Uh, I've gotten pretty good at it. I the thing that I still struggle with a little bit is stopping. Um like being able to stop the board without like f- falling off of it or like having to mm-hmm. bail. But we did go out today cuz it was like 60 degrees here in Minnesota today, which is unheard of. And I've been I got a lot better at it. And actually yesterday we went out for a ride all four of us. Um Thomas got a new motorized skateboard that he really enjoys. My oldest was on a skateboard, another motorized skateboard, and my youngest was on our electric scooter. She was very excited because she hasn't been allowed to use it yet because she was a little too little. And it can go like really fast. So <laughs> we've been trying to be like, uh, let's wait. So... um yeah, I've been getting a lot better about balancing on it. I haven't totally biffed it since that time that I <laughs> I was trying to go on a curb and I fell and did the splits without meaning to, and that really sucked. Ooh, <laughs> oh, that does not feel good. Yeah, I pulled uh, a muscle in my groin, which kind of sucked. But I'm better now. I can go on bumpy roads without getting anxiety attacks. And we actually went on a trip to the city near us and i think i was able to go for like five miles round trip on this thing so nice pretty cool i'm getting i'm i'm not nearly as anxious when i'm on it anymore like i don't feel like i have to overthink how i need to stand to balance and to move forward and to move back there are still times where i do overthink it because i'm like why isn't it moving forward yeah um but i'm feeling a lot more confident writing it now so it's pretty cool. You have the balance to do it. Yep. I would fall so fast. Yeah. It's it's pretty fun. And I'm hoping that by getting used to like moving forward and backward to like turn, that 
will transition well to snowboarding in the winter. So oh, yeah. So yeah, which I was trying to learn this year and I just didn't do it. So <laughs> <laughs> cold sucks to be fair. Yeah. Yeah. I don't like the cold. I don't either. But yeah. So that's my something good. I can't even ride a bike. I don't know how you can ride that. Like I literally can't ride a bike. Fun fact, I also can't ride a bike because I wreck every time I try to ride a bike, so I've yep. stopped. I had a real bad accident back in, like, seventh grade where my shoelaces caught in the gears, <gasps> and I went over, and I landed on – I have a chipped tooth. I landed on my face and just scraped – it was in the middle of the road, so it's on this <gasps> asphalt that's all crackly, just went skidding across on my face Ooh. on the road. I really haven't ridden a bike since then. <laughs> so mm. I've tried a few times and I don't no, I don't like it. <laughs> I can't do it. Yeah, no. it's fun. I um wreck every time I get on one, so I've stopped riding them. And uh, it hasn't stopped anyone from making fun of me for the many times that I've injured myself pretty severely because I suck at riding a bike, but it's fine. I'm right there with you. And the one time I rode a motorbike, I, I <laughs> Did I ever tell you guys the story? No. no. So if somebody had one of those like little mini dirt bikes. Yeah. And, they were letting, and I've never been on an electric bike at, before at this point. So I got on it. I was kind of riding around and they go, got it. So I'm like, okay. I'll, or they told me to give it a little more gas so I'd have an easier time staying up. Because mm-hmm. remember, I don't ride bikes. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's hard to balance when you don't have a lot of momentum. Right. So they're like, give it a little more gas. And well, so a little more gas to me was gunning it. And I went oh, flying no. right towards this huge Christmas tree, this big old evergreen. <laughs> and the bike went through the evergreen and I was on the outside, arms and legs just spread way out like a freaking cartoon character and it <laughs> flung me back off the tree. <laughs> the funniest thing that's ever happened (laughs) i wish somebody had caught it on camera because it would have been it had to have been hilarious i was laughing god that's hysterical (laughs) do you have anything good ash i'm in a really bad mood right now because i've been in dog hell for at least an hour now which is why i've been on mute for like most of the episode um well, I guess it's so a I'm good not, thing it was a shitty topic then, huh? So I'm not feeling uh, super excited about life at the moment, but I did just remember that I have chocolate milk downstairs, so that's probably going to happen. There you that go. That's a good thing. Yep. That can be my good thing. But also, just like in general, I feel like things are looking pretty good at the moment. So. Oh, that's awesome. That's, that's good. great to hear. Um, my good thing, my something good. Well, when we're recording this, we're actually on break for April mm-hmm. because I have so many, so much work going on with classes and I only have three weeks left. So my something good is I am almost done with classwork and I think that should be the end of my coursework and then it's all research. So I've been going to classes for seven years straight. Oh I am God. so ready to be done with coursework. <laughs> I cannot yeah. freaking wait because I'm exhausted. I don't know if you guys can see the bags under my eyes. I'm so tired. I can't wait. So that's my oh something my good. Good yeah. by school. I don't want you anymore. Yeah, I totally feel that in my soul. I can't. I can't picture. No. Oh, it sucks. 
Uh-uh. You're just doing, like, ungodly stuff to keep yourself awake by that point, like, yep. I feel like, because that's what I was doing, and I would literally sit and, like, calculate whether or not I'd had enough caffeine that I might need to hospitalize myself. Like, <laughs> I have a constant list of, like, everything is of equal importance, really. Yeah. But I have this constant list of this is the most urgent, so I shuffle this one up to the top. <laughs> yep. It sucks. I was so ready to be done with that, but Yeah, it's, it's gonna feel good. The end is in sight. The end is nigh. Oh, also, I've been medicated and it makes me happy. <laughs> <laughs> That's good news. I went and got medication because I've been feeling extremely anxious and having a lot of panic attacks. So I went and got some medication and I've been seeing a counselor and it's really helping a lot. I feel I feel like I used to feel before I had so much on my plate and I feel like me again. It's great. That's good. Fewer pharmaceuticals. Sometimes you need them. Yep. Mm-hmm. I think all three of us are on yep. medication now. Yep. yep. So there you go, guys. Uh if you're having a hard time right now or you've been having a hard time lately, you might not know us, know us, but you know at least three people who admit that we are all on medication yep. Yep. and that we need it to help us control our anxiety and that it's making all of us a lot happier. Mm-hmm. Yep. So and just putting it out there, you should consider it. Yep. Yep. Between that and the counseling, I feel so much better. It's not. It doesn't get rid of everything, but it's it's definitely changed my day-to-day life drastically. Yeah, for sure. It's like you get to this point where you just realize that you're constantly trying to juggle like all this Mm -hmm. emotion and all of this stress that you can't juggle and you're just like, I need help. Mm -hmm. So if anybody out there is kind of feeling like that, go ask for help. Mm -hmm. Like it's okay to need help. Yep. Yeah. Anxiety is a vicious cycle, too, because once you get anxious, then you get anxious about being anxious, and then you get anxious about how it's affecting the people around you and how they're perceiving your anxiety. Exactly. And it just feeds itself. It's horrible. Even when you know that it's ridiculous, you can't stop it Yep. once no, it starts. Can't. So, so, yeah, you know at least three people, sort of, mm-hmm. who are all taking medication, and I think all of us are benefiting from that a lot. So yep. Yep. if you're no having shame. a hard time... Um, even if you're already in counseling and it doesn't feel like that's quite enough, like if you're having a hard time, there's no shame yep. in needing to get on medication. Yeah. It doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you. Like, nope. Just means you need a little help. Yep. And that's okay. Yep. And on that awesome note, I love that. That's a great way to end things, especially after an episode that might make you feel pretty blue. Uh, before we go, I just kind of want to throw out there, if anybody has any regions that they're interested in us having us cover, you can always email us at pineapppizzapod at gmail.com. Reach out to us on social media. We would love to hear from you. Hear what you like, what you don't like. Well, maybe not what you don't like. Yeah, maybe don't tell <laughs> us if you don't like things because we're all trying to be happier. We are fragile. We have anxiety. <laughs> Don't hurt our feelings. It would be okay if you're like, I miss when you guys did this. Yep. If you phrase it like that, we can handle it. But don't come at me like, I don't like your voice because it's not going to be constructive. (laughs) Cheese sandwich us. Yeah. People that don't know what cheese sandwich is, it's like compliment, 
tell us the thing that you want that's that's not quite right and then you compliment us again that's like the it. best way to do it yep and really big one remember that if you like this show which we're hoping that if you're listening to it you're enjoying what you're eating here at pineapple pizza what we're dishing out please go out and tell friends. One of the best things that you can do is get out there with word of mouth and tell other people about it. Help us grow. Help us spread our our knowledge of history and weird stuff around the world. So, and uh, I guess with that, we will close up the restaurant for the night. I'm just going to say thank you for visiting our beautiful pizzeria tonight because I'm not sure if anybody enjoyed that slice, but it was a slice worth having. Yep. Pineapple Pizza Podcast, sweet and cheesy, Not everyone understands our awesomeness, but we're glad that you do, question mark? Maybe not anymore after this. Just kidding. (laughs) Yeah.